The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I'm the baby boomer. And I'm Jason Canander, freshman at UT Austin. Actually, now I'm a sophomore at UT Austin. Um, Wait, I do... have you officially ended your freshman year? Kind of, but not really. Yeah. I mean, I'm home... I'm done with every final except for one. I have Calc next week, which is going to be pretty difficult. But um, I guess I can kind of classify myself as a sophomore now. It's like that weird like phase in the summer where you're not a freshman anymore, but you're not technically a sophomore yet. So I don't know. Let's it's a wait little until change your scenery. grades come in. How about that? Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I'm expecting nothing but good news. So. All right. So, anyways, um, where do you where are you working these days besides uh, going to school? Uh, I'm going to caddy this summer. I'm pretty excited about that. Finally going to, going to make some money. Um, on top of that, I'm still writing for CBB review. Once I get back to school, be in studio for TSTV sports. And I'm always looking for writing opportunities, anything where I can <laughs> kind of show off. This is kind of my little self plug right here. Um, because I could certainly use another writing gig. So, um, Yeah. Hey, thank you, everybody, who have listened to the Sportscaster and her son from Apple, Podbean, wherever you might listen, because uh, we are climbing. We have over 16,000 listens. We're hot. Yeah, it's nice. So please continue to spread the word to family and friends, download, subscribe, and please continue to rate us. So what we like to say about the format of this podcast is... We don't always get along, but we both share a passion for sports. And so we do talk a lot of sports. It does bridge the gap between us. Is it weird being home this past week? Yeah, it's been really weird for a couple of reasons. Number one, because Shay's not home. So it kind of feels like I'm a guest staying here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, it's just kind of weird, like. Anytime I need something, it's not like I can go walk like next door and go to the store and get it. It's just kind of like whatever's at home is what I'm rolling with, which is me telling you that you need to go grocery shopping. Yeah. Um, I, it's just like, it's weird. Like I like being home because I like my bed here a lot more. And I like the dinners here a lot more when you decide to make dinner. But oh, other than that, two. like it's, it's just, hear that shot number two? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. I'm sure I'll get used to it. But like when you spend almost nine months away from home, home doesn't feel as much like home as it did when you stay 18 straight years at home. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's hard having, like, it's a change. When you guys left, that was really hard. Now you guys being home, well, you're the first one home. Your brother's not home yet. Is hard. It's like, it's another, like, right when you get used to you guys not being home, and I don't have to cook every night because your sister eats like a doesn't bird. Doesn't eat, yep. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it is, it's, it's a lot harder. We don't go through... Half the groceries. I haven't been to Costco in probably 
five months. Well, that's great. Then you have a little bit of extra money laying around for more groceries. I know, but it's it's now <laughs> it's back to, you know, I want the summer to start. I want to go start playing more golf, but I have a little bit more responsibility back here again, and that is um, cooking dinner more often than I have been doing it. And oh, Your um, life is just so hard, Mom. I know. It's called country club problems. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, whatever. So, hey, listen. So, in this episode... Hope you didn't offend anyone there. Well, whatever. I don't really care anymore if I do, okay? Let's let's just be honest. <laughs> Can't right? get canceled if you're already retired. Yeah, exactly. Can't cancel your own podcast. Only I can, <laughs> right? Um, all right. So, this is huge. This... Bears fans... Listen up. You are going to want to stick around this episode. I promise you, you're going to want to hear what happens because we have the facts and the truth behind Justin Fields' intelligence test. There's been a lot said about this. A lot of you may have heard Mark Sanchez talking about it on another podcast. Well, for the first time, We can actually ask the doctor about Justin Fields exclusively, and that is because we went to his agent, we went to Fields' agent, and we requested permission for the doctor to break his uh, doctor-client, doctor-patient confidentiality. It took a while, but the agent got back to us and said yes. So... I'm excited about this. You're going to hear this interview a little bit later on um, about the intelligence test and what is the truth behind everything that has gotten out and what is not true, because that's what the doctor can actually tell us. So I'm super, super excited. Unfortunately, Jason was not able to be there for the interview because you you had finals. Yeah, so. I was studying for finals. I Honestly, it sounds as if I missed probably the worst interview to miss. Oh, um, but at the end of the day, interesting. finals, got a cram, I get it. got a grind, and uh, you know, I, I wanted it. to set myself up for a nice summer. So Yeah, so wait till you hear it, because it's pretty amazing. I'm excited. Um, the NFL schedules came out, and the Bears do not have an easy schedule. They are uh, already predictions for them to have, well, what is it? It's a 17-game schedule now, so yep. uh, a sub-500 uh, season again. Um, so let's ask the $10 million question, Andy Dalton. How often will Andy Dalton be the starting quarterback before Justin Fields gets some playing time or some starts? Well, first of all, I noticed, I actually read that the Vegas win total for the Bears was set at seven, cool. which is very low. Um, especially considering that they're in a division with Detroit, Minnesota, and a Green Bay team that by the time the season kicks off might not have one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport anymore. So, um, But looking at the Bears' schedule, so they open up against the Rams, prime time. Um, I'm going to be honest, when I saw that, I don't really know what the NFL was doing there because Fields isn't going to be starting week one unless Andy Dalton gets struck by lightning. Um, So... It'll be Dalton week one. I'm almost almost positive about that. Unless Fields comes into training camp and absolutely lights it up. like, And I mean lights it up. Because you have to remember that Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator when Patrick Mahomes was brought into Kansas City as a rookie. Mahomes now is the best quarterback in the NFL. Which could insinuate that he probably looked pretty damn good in his rookie training camp. With Alex Smith at quarterback. Alex Smith is a more accomplished and better received quarterback at the time than Dalton, but it's the same type 
of system. Right. So it's not going to be Fields Week 1. Looking at the schedule, the Bears' schedule, is it actually opens up pretty easily. The Rams game is going to be a challenge, but then they play the Bengals. That should be a win. Mm-hmm. The Browns could be a win. Lions. Browns Browns are such an unknown, though. Like They could be good. Depends on what Cleveland team we're going to get. Yep, exactly. Are we going to get the game one of the playoffs Cleveland team, or are we going to get the Cleveland team that lost to the Jets? Right. So the, the opening part of the schedule isn't too tough, but then the Bears hit this stretch in the middle of October after they play in Vegas, little Vegas hangover, they they face the Packers at home, and then the Bucks on the road, and then the Niners at home, and then the Steelers on the road, mm. and then the Ravens at home. Yikes. That is a murderer's row if I have ever seen one. I'm just going to go out on a limb right now and say, if the Bears are 500 at that point, I think that Dalton is going to remain the starter. However... The Bears are below 500 or 500 with similar quarterback quality of play as Foles and Trubisky. I think that they might just put all their chips in, in the center of the table and go with Fields for the playoff push. So does Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, do they need Fields to play this year to save their jobs? Or by trading up in the draft again and, and drafting Justin Fields, a potential franchise quarterback, have they bought themselves the time that they can now develop him. I think Nagy has absolutely bought himself another year because it would be ridiculous for the Bears to make this type of future sacrifice, trading the picks for fields, and then for him to undergo a coaching change after his first season, a season in which he might not even play. So I think that Nagy bought himself another year. Pace, not totally sure. What's going to determine Pace's job more so than Nagy, but both of them, isn't going to be the quarterback position because if Dalton looks bad, then Dalton looks bad. They didn't bring in Dalton to be an MVP type of guy to lead them to the playoffs. It's going to matter how everyone around them looks. If Darnell Mooney continues to progress, if Allen Robinson can be extended, if David Montgomery builds off some of his strong games, if the defense can rebound. Eddie Jackson did not have a very good season last season. Khalil Mack, I I will always defend Khalil Mack because people do not understand. This guy is double teamed 90% of the time. And the 10% of the time where he's not double teamed, he's being held. So Khalil Mack needs to keep doing what he's doing. Hopefully it'll translate, excuse me, into more numbers. Roquan Smith had a strong season. Can I I just say something, though, about... Khalil Mack, it would help if Robert Quinn, the $23.5 million teammate of his, would actually earn his money this year and take some of that pressure off of Khalil Mack. So that's all I got to say about Khalil Mack. The the Robert Quinn contract is an issue in its own right. (laughs) There are just so many parallels to why that was such an awful, 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 awful move. So, needless to say, for Ryan Pace's sake, Robert Quinn needs to be the Robert Quinn of five, six years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's (laughs) the the problem. There are a lot of players on this team that have a lot to prove, and whether or not those players can prove their worth will absolutely determine Pace's future. As for Nagy's future, if Fields plays this season... I think that that might play a little bit into it, but I'm pretty confident that we're going to get another season in Matt Nagy after this, as long as Fields is getting brought along how we think he's going to be, which means he's not going to be the starter on day one. All right. If if the Bears lose five of their first seven games, then do you put Justin Fields in for the development, uh, you know, risking him? Uh, That would be a desperation move, it sounds like to me. 
Or do you flip it and get him as much experience as possible? If he truly is as good as everyone thinks he is going to be, then let him play early and just kind of suck up that $10 million that you're giving to Andy Dalton. I mean, you got your defensive players are signed through a couple more years. You have until 2025, you know, with uh, Mac Quinn, Eddie Jackson, uh, then a couple of offensive players you're losing, but 2025, you have three more years, so you can take your time in bringing him along. And if he absolutely wows them, then you bring him in, you know, week seven, whatever it is, Mm. to to get him the experience. But I don't think that they have to play him right away. A lot of people think think that they do. But so, so let's get to our interview because it might change your mind on whether or not they should play him. Okay. So Dr. Scott Goldman, I rang him up a couple days ago, talked to him about the athletic intelligence quotient test, which was administered at the combine. And it, it really tests their intelligence. It's not the Wonderlick. It's a different one. It's AIQ. Okay. You're not going to believe what he has to say midway through the interview when we find out that we're able to talk specifically about Justin Fields and he can tell us whether or not it's true that he scored a perfect 130, um, the highest ever for a quarterback. What will amaze you is who he compares Justin Fields' test results to. It's dun, dun, dun. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so we were calling the name of this show, How Smart Is Your Quarterback? But that's not exactly how we should explain this. Um, There's a lot of testing that can be done. And believe me, teams want to know about the guys they're going to draft. So I made a call out to Dr. Scott Goldman. He's the Director of Performance Psychology for Athletic Intelligence Measures. He has some really interesting stuff to talk about, the Athletic Intelligence Quotient Test. This is the test you may have heard that Justin Fields did really, really good on. Uh, Dr. Goldman joins us now on The Sportscaster and Her Son. Dr. Goldman, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about the AIQ. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, absolutely. So explain the AIQ test. And, you know, a lot of us that go back a few years remember the Wonderlick over the years. So explain your test and how it differs. Sure. Um, So let's start with even the sentence that you opened with, which is how smart is your quarterback? I think what's interesting is people will use smart, intelligence, and knowledge interchangeably when it's not. Smart and knowledge, to me, falls more under a a bucket of, like, experience. So knowledge is knowing the right answer. Smart is like, oh, this guy knows what to do in this situation. But intelligence is different. The simplest definition of intelligence It's our ability to acquire, process, and apply information. So um, whether you're, let's say you're a firefighter who has to kick a door open in a smoke-filled room and quickly locate where potential threats as well as where potential people to save, that's a cognitive visual task, identifying those key important details in the room. Or a quarterback 
who's going through his progressive reads, um, same kind of cognitive task. So um, I think one area of differentiation is the difference between experience and intelligence. And so what we do is we measure intelligence. And as you pointed out, there are um, lots of, of uh, assessments out there that measure intelligence. And you're asking, so how do we differentiate between what we do and what other companies do? So I'll start with the notion of uh, my partner and I both have PhDs in school psychology. So I have a PhD in clinical psychology, then I have a PhD in school psychology. My partner has a PhD in school psychology. And then I've also received advanced training in performance psychology and sports psychology. And then for the last 20 years, I've been an embedded sports psychologist in um, two athletic departments at the NCAA level. And then uh, with uh, two NFL teams and two NBA teams. Mm. So, so part of what I think also differentiates us is our ability to communicate to coaches and players um, the information of the report. So um, still kind of going through the details of this, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to kind of go deep. Uh, what's one of the joys of being on a podcast, right? Yeah. You don't have to do the 30-second soundbite. Yeah, there's no um, limit. Yeah. So, so um, the predominant theory of intelligence that most instruments use is a theory of intelligence called the Cattell-Horn-Carroll theory of intelligence. Oh, boy. So <laughs> if, if your child, if your child uh, has ever been tested for learning disability or giftedness, they use this CHC theory in some way, shape, or form. Like there's the Wexler scales, Stanford, mm -hmm. Binet, Woodcock, Johnson. So what my partner and I did was, is we said, okay, given that the CHC theory is really the most predominant theory being used in intelligence testing, can we look at what aspects of that theory are most relevant in the world of sport? So we define sport as a really challenging or unsolvable puzzle in a chaotic situation. And then we said, what other areas are like that? So firefighters, police officers, first responders, et cetera. And we said, okay, now let's look at what cognitive abilities are most necessary in those elements and areas and situations. Um, and also sports, right? And we came up with um, 15 identifiable targets of cognitive abilities. We then um, spent about 15 years really doing research, um, looking at all of the different areas, again, firefighters, et cetera, you know, jet pilots, on and on, on athletes. And we said, okay, I think we've got ourselves a, uh, a target. And then we followed the American Psychological Association's ethical guidelines for test construction. And we ended up building the AIQ. Um, and, and our database now consists of over 6,500 elite professional athletes from all five major leagues in the United States, as well as some Olympic training facilities um, and some teams overseas, like English Premier League teams and stuff like that. So um, I think what separates us from other entities is we've got the science that is consistent with the standard gold standard of practice, i.e. the CHC theory. 
And we've also got a database of professional athletes so that we're comparing apples to apples, not apples to giraffes. Mm. And we also have sport-specific and position-specific analyses um, that are very relevant because of the 20 years of my work with players and coaches, understanding their dialogue, understanding their mechanisms, so that way they can understand this data so that it's not just like, oh, here's a number. It's here's what this number means. And here's what you can do with someone who scores on that. So if you score high on the AIQ, that's great. If you score low on the AIQ, that's equally great because it's just helping the coaches, the players, the front office make more well-informed decisions about what to do with this person when they get him or if he's a good fit for what they're doing. Wow. So I that love the idea that you can, no, no, that's okay. I, I, plank, I drank plenty of coffee today, so I'm able to take it in and understand some of it. Um, so I love the idea that you can compare apples to apples. So you can compare athletes that you had tested in the past to how they, do you, do you test them to how they do actually perform years later to say, yeah, we were right on this. Oh yeah. He's a Peyton Manning. He can go through his reads. He can, you know, go to his, his third option. Um, and oh, this guy, yeah, we thought that he might, he might struggle more and is always going to just hit his first or second target. Are you able to compare the success of it years on later when they're actually playing the game? Yeah, so great question. And, and here's the interesting thing. Our intention when we created the test was to be a descriptor. We were trying to help people understand how a player executes the task in sport. But to your point, with enough data, we were able to find statistically significant correlation with on-field performance. And to my knowledge, we're the only test that has that. Mm. So, for example, um, regardless of when a running back is drafted, the AIQ scores statistically significantly correlate with rushing yards. Same thing like with interceptions and defensive backs, tackles and tackles for losses with um, defensive linemen and linebackers, career approximate value, which is, a, which is a pro football reference algorithm that illustrates the amount of impact a player has on their team's win-loss record. Mm. So we were finding some really meaningful stuff. Now, you know, some would argue the most important position in all of sports and the hardest one to predict is quarterback. And, um, and so what's interesting is our database with the quarterback position is a little bit lower. It's, we have about 125 uh, quarterbacks in our database. The only reason is not as many quarterbacks enter each year in the draft as say linebackers or offensive linemen, there's just more of them. Right. So what's interesting is we've already identified with quarterbacks profiles that seem to be trending towards success and profiles that seem to be trending towards failure. Um, but I would, I would be remiss to say it's statistically significant at this point, just because we need more games played and we need more more uh, quarterbacks in our data pool to really say it with great confidence. But I would say anecdotally, there are a handful of people who scored really well on the AIQ at the quarterback position that are being very successful. 
And there's a handful of quarterbacks that scored really low on the AIQ that have yet to find their success. Wow. Not predictive, but I think it's contributory. Because, for example, one of our one of the abilities that we measure is the ability to download and recall information. And for those that have worked in football or professional football, you know, like preseason installs or OTA install, yeah. off-season installs, yep. so that's, a, that's a complicated playbook, right? And then you have weekly installs where you kind of augment and twist uh, all of the stuff that you went all, uh, you reviewed over the off-season. So I think, as an example, a quarterback's ability to master and learn the playbook and all of its details and nuances, and then to be able to completely kind of wipe the board somewhat clean and then rewrite it for every week, um, that's a pretty hard task. And we're noticing that people who score high on that tend to be very successful quarterbacks, and people who struggle on that have, have yet to produce that kind of outcome. Back to our interview with Dr. Goldman in just a moment. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our interview. So I know that you um, cannot talk about uh, any of the, the guys that you had tested without their permission. Are there any quarterbacks from this past year's draft, last month's draft, uh, that have given you permission to talk about how they tested? So, and this is probably our psychologist hat. You know, we have a tendency to really want to honor the relationship. So you'll notice, for example, um, we don't talk about the teams that we work with. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I I think for us, we try to honor and respect the relationships um, that we have with the teams, that we have with the players. We always want to advocate and be allies for players. So we just, we don't exploit and market who we work with and, and what's, what's insane. My sister's a publicist and she, she constantly is telling me that this is foolishness because we've had multiple teams win Super Bowls with AIQ data. And she's like, why aren't you talking about how team X won the Super Bowl right. while using and, and, see, like, and your reaction is the same. Right? I was like, this is, but I think the reason why we don't, is because we go, you know, for us to kind of take credit for that, it discredits in a way the athletic trainers who work their butts off keeping people healthy, 
the strength and conditioning coaches who work their butts off and making them strong, the coaches who put all their time and attention and, you know, getting everything right, the players who work their butts off to, you know, actually go out there and play the game. So it was just sort of us wanting to maintain our role in our space. Mm. Similarly, like when it comes to the players, like they're kind enough to take the test. They're kind enough to participate. So I'll always go over a report with them and give them some pointers and tips of what the data suggests. I will always advocate for a player. Um, And part of that is also just, they get talked about so much. I mean, people quickly forget that these are human beings that have moms, they have brothers, they have friends. Like if they cut, they bleed. And, and it's easy to turn them into um, comic book characters or TV personalities that we can yell at um, without edit. And, and, and so I think one of the reasons why we don't talk about scores publicly is we just don't want to exploit these individuals or dehumanize them in a way where they become a topic for discussion uh, without their participation or permission. Well, so of course, you know, speaking of comic book characters, when former NFL quarterback Mark Sanchez went on another podcast and said that Justin Fields out of Ohio State had scored the highest ever, a 130 on your AIQ test, uh, of course, Bears fans after the draft wanted to put a cape on Justin Fields. You know, he is going to be the Superman of the Chicago Bears, never having a franchise quarterback. So you can't acknowledge Justin Fields' score, but we're all going to just, you know, go with this, what what was previously reported. And what I want to know, though, is uh, a 130 on your test. Is that truly, is that the highest score? Is it... You know, is there potential to score higher than that? Yeah, so I think there's a point of clarity, which is um, when it comes to intelligence tests, again, based off the CHC theory, what you have is you have a score of 100, which is average. That falls right in the 50th percentile, meaning if you had 100 people in the room, there's 50 people who would score better than you and 50 people who would score lower than you kind of thing. Like the 50th percentile puts you right in the middle of the room. And there's a standard deviation of 15 points, which is to say um, two standard deviations above the norm, 130, occurs about 1% to 2% of the time. So it's just very, very rare. Now, what's interesting is there are certain subtests where, you know, you ask maybe 16 questions. If someone gets all 16 questions right, that's called a ceiling effect. And a ceiling effect is where you go, this person's ability exceeds the test's ability to capture mm, this yeah. person's ability. So what happens is you go, gosh, if we gave him 16 out of 16 and he got those all right, I wonder what would happen if we gave him 20 out of 20 or if we gave him 25 out of 25. And so um, what you really want to do to test the ceiling of one's true ability is you keep kind of making the task more and more challenging. And so uh, you just mentioned Justin Fields' score. I'm, I'm telling you that is not an accurate 
his overall score was not a 130. Okay. Um, but, you know, what I am comfortable saying is the young man did exceptionally well. And there were certain areas, and I think this is what Mark Sanchez was talking about, is there was certain areas where he scored perfectly on the subtext, which suggests he would actually do even better if we made the task more challenging. And if you and ask that's more questions. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's pretty remarkable. Okay, everyone, this is a good place to end part one with Dr. Scott Goldman. He performs the AIQ test to athletes at the NFL Combine, actually athletes all over the place, um, all five major U.S. sports. It's a measurement of the athlete's intelligence, and as he just said, new Bears quarterback Justin Fields did score exceptionally well. We are running out of time in this episode, so we are going to bring you part two of our interview in the next episode of our podcast. In it, it includes us getting the okay from Justin Fields' agent for Dr. Goldman to break doctor-patient confidentiality and explain Justin Fields' test results and go into more detail about it. So that's going to be coming up in the very next episode. So no Jason's predictions right now, none of my final thoughts, but we will thank Dr. Scott Goldman, Director of Performance Psychology for Athletic Intelligence Measures and the AIQ test. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Goldman, PhD. Our thanks also to Adam Yaffe for his audio expertise. Please keep downloading, keep subscribing, because that is how you will then find out when the next episode is posted and you are going to want to hear it. Follow us, like us, and all of that good stuff. For now, we say so long, but not for too long, because you'll want to hear the details on Justin Fields' intelligence quotient test results in our next episode. So long, everybody. The Sportscaster Under Sun is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.